Hey, we are uh, in the, almost through our series called Balance. So if you've got your Bible this morning, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you're not familiar with looking up Scripture, most of it will be on the screen uh, behind me this morning. But we have been jumping into this idea of how to live a life that actually is balanced in every area of who we are. Uh, whether it's our finances or all these things, balance takes, it takes balance to actually live properly. Chase and I have been debating this weekend about different things you should eat. And he's been reading new studies about vegetarianism. And I'm like, I've read a study that makes, says vegetarian makes you dumb. If you don't eat enough protein, and he's like, well, too much meat's going to kill you anyway. So it doesn't matter if you're dumb, you know, back and forth. We've been having this debate. And I said, last night we were texting, I said, I think it all comes down to balance. Like, you should eat vegetables and stuff like that. It's okay to have a nice steak every once in a while as well. And he's like, yeah, but just not every day. And I'm like, I, I can go along with that, but I do love steak. But it's this balanced life. We have to have balance in our life. And this is true spiritually as well. As we learn to walk through our life, how we deal in relationships, how we begin to try to engage this world, how we do life with one another, it all takes balance. It all takes balance, and if we're not careful, we've used illustrations of like being on a balance beam. We can fall over very quickly, and the illustration I want to use this morning is it's very quickly if we get out of balance for our life to go off the rails. Have you ever been in a subway uh, car when all of a sudden it stops, and you hear, you know, we're having track problems ahead? My imagine, when I hear that term, I imagine one of the tracks has come completely loose, and if we go, we're going to be like Indiana Jones in a mine car, and we're just going to zoom off and going crazy. I don't even know if that's what really is, or if some little sensor didn't switch, or whatever it is. But when I hear track problems, I think we are fast and furiously. If we keep going forward, we're going to have a major tragedy, major disaster on our hands. And I've sat there before, and I've, you've probably done this. You sat there, and they said, we're having track problems. And you decide, do I sit here at this station and wait on them to fix this train or the track ahead or do I try to make a run for another train and when our life gets derailed we start having to make decisions and consequences come into our life that we were not expecting yesterday Natalie and I were in a uber coming from uh, the bridge church's carnival over to meet uh, some people for lunch and as we were in this uber it was like an uber pool and the guy was arguing with me about uber pool he wasn't happy he was a, not a good driver, and he was like, you should have just gotten the car all to yourself, you know, all this stuff. While he was arguing with me, he ran right into the back of the car in front of him. It was my first Uber crash, and, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm done. I was like, cancel trip. They have a button like to report you're in a crash, and I was like, Natalie, we're getting out of the car. We're taking a whole different way, something totally different than we planned to get there. And this is what Paul is going to talk about in this chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, about when our life goes off the rails. And we end up in places that we never thought we would. This week's topic of life and spiritual balance is about something that we deal with constantly. Every person deals with it on a consistent basis. Have you ever set out to try to accomplish something new only to have your efforts derailed? Have you ever had an attitude or a character issue in your life that you know you needed to change, but you just can't ever seem to get past it or get through it? Have you ever found yourself in places of sin and darkness that you once thought you would never go near, and now you are just surrounded by? 
If we're honest with ourselves, we would answer probably yes to all of these questions. Sometimes it seems like our lives are easily derailed. Whatever track trouble is in front of us, we hit. And this is what Paul is going to teach us to deal with in this verse. As much as Paul loved the church in Thessalonians, as much as he was excited about what was going on in their midst, he also knew that the reality of how easily good things can get derailed. As much as Paul was encouraged by their spiritual depth and dedication, Paul also knew that he had seen over and over again followers of Christ lose their passion and start walking down damaging paths. As much as Paul was complimenting them on the way that they loved each other, served each other, he knew how easy it would be for people in that group to begin to turn self-centered, prideful, and demanding. Paul knew negative influence were coming in no matter what. It was a matter of if when they would come, uh, not, not if they would come, but when they would come. And I know I've experienced this in my life, and I believe you probably have too. The truth is, most of these times when we go through negative influences, negative circumstances in our life, they don't make us change path drastically in one major wrong turn. It happens slowly and over time and sometimes even unknowingly. Destructive and derailing influences can come into our lives, and if we don't detect them and we don't defeat them, they'll begin to move us off a path slowly but surely. A slow process of eroding away our passion for grace and peace and our purity of heart that comes with following Christ. When this happens in our lives, we start to walk down a path away from God, away from righteousness, away from truth, away from light, away from hope and peace, and it shows up in our lives in some very recognizable and repeatable ways. And all I had to do was kind of go back into my life and say, how have negative influences impacted me? And I think you'll probably find that this happens in your life as well. Some of the dangers of negative influence is this. As we start thinking ineffectively, our minds get clouded, our thoughts seem confused, our judgment is uncertain. We walk away from the light and from the truth, and our clarity fades, and our thinking is dulled. We start to think ineffectively. And then second, we start to act immaturely. Our behaviors start to shift, and we start doing things that we know are not right. We start doing things that we know are harmful, but our mental clarity is not there for us to help it overcome. That mental fog keeps us from seeing, and we start acting immaturely, and then this brings us to where we're living a life out of balance. We swing back and forth. We try to fix something quickly. We try to make it happen overnight, and instead it backfires, and we just begin to fade deeper and deeper into this negative influence. And if you're like me, You may be doing some inner examination and evaluation right now and being, man, I've been there. I've done that. That's happened in my life. But the trap here is to think that you are the only one who deals with this. The truth is, if you look around this room, we see other people and we think they've got it all together. They just, they want to make a change in their life. They just snap their fingers and it happens. They just say it and it appears in their life. They want to deal with a negative attitude or a harmful, sinful behavior in their lives. They just blink their eyes, snap their heels like Dorothy, and all of a sudden they're taken to another magical place or they know how to say some magical prayer that I haven't learned yet, and everything just works in their life, but not for me. But I can guarantee you this this morning, that is not true of any of us in here. None of us have the secret power to just tap our heels and all of a sudden be out of Oz and back home again. 
and in a safe place. Negative influences come into all of our lives. We all deal with them. They are a challenge to all of us, and this is why Paul deals with this topic. The balance of where we're going to learn to is to develop our lives in this way is to have two tools to deal with negative and eroding forces in our life. How this balanced approach will keep us from walking down a path of darkness and destruction and help us to get off the road no matter how far we walk down it. And the two things that we need today in our life of this idea of balance between doing good work and gaining wisdom. This is what he's going to talk about, this balance between works and wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see those two words, I bend one of two directions. I typically either like to just try to do things or I like to just gain knowledge. And the truth is we've got to have both of these to deal with these negative influences in our life. Now, before we read this passage, I want to give you a little context because it starts off odd and strange and weird. All right. And so if we jump, just jump into the start reading, you'd be like, what is going on here? And so let me just give you a little context. Paul is dealing with a topic that came up in almost every church or group of believers he met with at the time. It had been about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus had promised his return, and most people thought his return was imminent. Even the disciples at the day he descended and he said, I'm coming back to you, I will be back, they were thinking tomorrow, maybe next week. But now years had passed and he had not shown back up and people were asking the apostles questions about when and how Jesus would return. And this church was asking those same questions. People were wondering if they had missed it somehow. There were others that were showing up claiming to be Jesus, returned in the flesh just in a different form. There were a lot of confusion about this issue and there still is today. And Paul is going to give some teaching on this issue that doesn't necessarily answer their question of when and how Jesus is going to return, but it does give them some direction on how to live while they're waiting on him to return. And so let's read the first four verses here of 2 Thessalonians 2, knowing that that's kind of the context. He says, now, and usually when you say now in this letter, when Paul writes there, he's like turning a page, like whole new chapter. We've kind of closed a thought. Now let me deal with the next issue. All right, so this is what he's doing. He says, Now concerning the coming of Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by the spirit or by spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that that day of the Lord has already come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God and object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. I told you it's a little weird, a little odd. This, uh, what, when's Jesus going to come? I don't know when he's coming. I'm not sure. Don't be easily deceived by that. Don't get confused about it. But he's not coming until this man of lawlessness shows up. It can be a little confusing. And what Paul does here at the very beginning of this chapter is tell them something that he has already spoken to them about in person that is this. That evil and destructive forces of this world are going to be working to negate the influence of the redeeming work of Jesus until he comes. Just get used to it. It is part of how we live this life. This man of lawlessness, the lawlessness that he talks about here, it's going to happen. 
what Paul challenges them to do and us to do likewise is to stop worrying about figuring out when the next time Jesus will show up here and start living out of the power and abundance that he has already shared with us. In this passage, he's going to challenge us to live above the lawlessness. He's going to show us how to recognize the influence of lawlessness in our lives and then how to use these tools of works and wisdoms to not get derailed. So the first question, if I'm sitting where you are and as I was reading this passage, the first question I had is this, what is this lawlessness? What does lawlessness mean? And I, I would come to this because it not only shows up here when he says the man of lawlessness is revealed, but he also later on says that they're a mystery of lawlessness, lawlessness, that's a hard word to say, which is already at work. And what does this concept mean? When you and I think lawlessness today, we probably think about anarchy and insanity. People acting with no boundaries, complete chaos. The idea of people running through the streets, screaming, buildings on fire, alarms sounding, riots ensuing, people looting and taking whatever they want, people hiding out, trying to avoid death and destruction. Images of Mad Max movies come to our mind. Ideas of this zombie apocalypse being chased down the street comes to our mind when we think of lawlessness. I mean, it's just complete chaos and anarchy. But this isn't actually what the word means, and there's danger in ascribing this type of meaning to it. For if we attribute anarchy and chaos to this term, then we can fool ourselves into thinking that lawlessness isn't happening. We live in a law-abiding society. Lawlessness isn't happening here. Yeah, there's some stuff going on, but the police will catch that guy or something. They'll come to judgment. It isn't here. It isn't something I have to deal with. I'm not riding in the street. I'm not breaking into Best Buy at night and looting and taking whatever TV I want. I don't have a shotgun strapped to my back and been trained how to double tap a zombie when he attacks me. It's not, we're not living in that reality. So we think this isn't here. So I don't really have anything to worry about. But however, true lawlessness isn't most about external chaos and disorder. It's actually more about internal erosion of character and the defaming of truth in our lives. The word lawlessness here can actually be translated perdition. And I don't know about you, that's not a word that regularly shows up in my vocabulary. But the truth is, the meaning of it actually sets in perfectly here. The, the meaning of perdition actually means ruin or damnation. Ruin or damnation. That a, a man or the, what's happening is there's people, there are influences trying to ruin you and bring damnation into your life. It is the idea that they are at work now in us, bringing about ruin. Some people will do this knowingly to us, some unknowingly. And the truth is the zombie apocalypse isn't dead people chasing you around wanting to eat your brains. Instead, it is people who are spiritually dead trying to influence the way you think, the way you act, and the way for us to multiply ruin and destruction in our lives. That's what lawlessness means. Now, I'm not saying everybody's out to get you. I'm not saying everybody is coming after you, but Paul is telling us today to be very clear in understanding this, that there are forces of evil that are working in this world to bring harm to your life. It's happening. It's part of life. It's part of what it means to live in this broken world. Everything is not good. Everybody's motives are not pure. Every way of thinking and living is not equal. There is a road to life and healing, and then there is a road to perdition of ruin as well. And so let's look in this passage of some of the markers that he says help us understand what some of this counterfeit or this, uh, this type of thinking is, this perdition, this road to perdition. The mile marker number one that we see on this road to perdition is that we'll start to accept counterfeit content. 
Counterfeit content. Verse 2 says this, And we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or by spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us. The first marker on the road to perdition is when we start to allow counterfeit content into our lives and we treat it as authority. Paul is warning them here about people that are going to come into your lives, say that they are speaking with his authority or the authority of God, and even show some kind of letter that they say Paul wrote. These are the original spammers. Right? These are people that would show up and be like, I got a letter from Paul. Here's what it says. It's like a phishing email that you get trying to get you to clickbait on it. It's just one of these things that it was going on even in Jesus's time and Paul's time. Now, the thing about counterfeit content is this. The thing about spam or a phishing email, it looks almost real. I mean, I got one the other day that was from Chase Bank and we bank with Chase and it says my password had been compromised click here to reset your password and like just some it looked really close but something just didn't seem right and when I clicked on the address of the sender it was like gibberish 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 at whatever address.com like so you knew but everything was really close to the original and that's what counterfeit is it's so so similar something that we've heard before counterfeit starts with truth and then makes subtle changes. They start you at a point of comfort and trick you into empty and worthless content. They start on the right path and then they start down an unexpected turn. And here's what counterfeit content uses to trick you. They use fascination. They want to fascinate you. We start to travel down these side roads and think we're going to discover some new truth that no one else has ever found. I'll click on this. I'll follow this. I'll read this, I'll move down away from biblical truth, away from the authority of God, and I'll think I'll find something that's hidden, some secret passage of spirituality. But really, all we've done is actually gotten off the path that God had already created for us and to us. When we take these side roads, these counterfeit, it's not just some secret garden, some beautiful hidden place. It's actually taking us off the clear-cut path that God has already created for us. Following God isn't filled with some secret side games or Easter eggs hidden in the Bible that we have to figure out and really solve the game. There's nothing but, that is nothing but counterfeit content that takes us off the real path of righteousness and distracts our hearts and minds and makes us easily vulnerable to deception. What are some examples of that? Like in our spiritual world, something like the, what's known as the prosperity gospel, right? So we find something that says, hey, in the Bible that God is good and wants good for us. And that's true. It's very true. It's, it's spoken. God spoke that. He's demonstrated that. But then we take that and we say, well, what good for me means is that I must be wealthy, healthy, and all the time. That there's going to be no bad circumstances that come into my life. Because if they do, then it must mean that God has either changed his character or I've messed up. And I've got to appease God again. And it gets us on this path of still owing God so that God would pay us. And if I'm not getting my due amount, I must not be doing my due part for God. And it puts us in this transactional relationship with God that he never intended. It started off at truth and then it veered off. Or something even like legalism. And this idea that I've got to fight for God and I've got you know, to do this, 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 and this to prove myself to God. The idea of legalism actually starts with this idea of being holy, a call to holiness, which is truth. It's in there. 
But this idea of holiness and following God and the idea that if you make a mistake, you're again in the rears to God. You start to owe God. You have to punish yourself, deal with punishment and retribution before you can get back in God's good graces. causes you to do things and to treat people and ostracize yourself from other people in a way that the grace and peace of God isn't impacting anybody's life. Those are two very simple examples of counterfeit content that move us away from the path that God directed for us and gets us on these side journeys instead. But it's not just, that's the first mile marker, but it leads us next to somewhere else. Mile marker number two is found in verse four, and it says, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God and object of worship so that he takes his place in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. The second thing when a negative influence will show up in your life, not just the counterfeit content, but it starts to have an arrogant authority in your life. Arrogant authority to control our lives. It says the person of lawlessness and destruction will be the one who exalts himself above every other God and based against every other authority in your life. Here's what arrogant authority will do in your life. It will demand absolute loyalty. It will work to limit the influences of other voices in your life. They will use the trap of isolation and demonization in your life. An arrogant authority will start not only to remove other influences from your life, but then they will start to demonize them as well. They don't just tell you that to listen to those voices, but they will tell you that those voices are out to harm you and destroy you, and they've created a box of isolation that you can't see out of it. When we get caught submitting to arrogant authority, it is often very difficult to get out of this situation without help from others. We're often blinded, and we don't see the harm and danger, and we end up defending them, telling others they don't understand, and we can't see what's going on. Many of us have probably fallen trapped to that in our lives before. We've given authority to to arrogant, self-serving authority in our life, and they've created this bubble that we exist in and we can't get out of. Arrogant authority causes us to embrace this idea of justification. As I start justifying actions that I would not have done before, we start believing that any ends, no matter what the, the ends are, they justify whatever means it takes to get there. Yeah, you want to be holy, then you have to do these 20 things. You want to experience the grace of God, then you have to do this to earn the grace of God. And we'll end up sacrificing family, friends, values, character, hopes, and dreams because we have been, they have created a world of isolation where what they say carries more weight than even what God says. And we must be on high alert for this in our lives. And the key thought here, anyone who wants to make their voice louder and more influential than God's voice in your life is an arrogant authority. No voice of man carries complete authority or more authority than God. The final mile marker we see is this, in verse 9 and 10. It says, Then the coming of lawlessness, the lawless one, is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and be saved. This final mile marker along the road to perdition that this negative influence takes us when we start to live by some reimagined righteousness in our life. Lawless people will not only give you counterfeit content, and set themselves up as the authority in your life, but then here's the final step. They will then tell you what is wrong is now right, and what was right is now wrong. They'll flip the script on you. They'll remove the power of the redeeming work of Christ in you by causing you to rely on them instead of Christ. You will start to refuse to love truth and instead cling to lies and deception. 
and this ultimately shows up with a tool of indoctrination in your life. We have a new way of thinking, something that nobody's ever gotten before. You're, you now have new wisdom, and you've been indoctrinated into this. This is why our life can get derailed. When we aren't on God, guard for counterfeit content, because we don't test it against the already revealed truth of God? Or we allow arrogant authorities to set up positions in our lives and we don't test it against the already demonstrated power of God? And then we start to live this reimagined righteousness and deceptions and we don't test it against the already displayed righteousness of God that he has shown to us. And the truth is we are all susceptible to walking down this path of perdition at any time. And this is why Paul is warning us. But I want to close giving you just a couple of thoughts when I think we are most vulnerable, most apt to fall down, most susceptible to fall down this road of perdition. And it's number one, this, when we are vulnerable. And here's what I mean. Times in our life when we are in great need. Time when we are looking for answers to problems that seem too big to handle. Times of difficulty and despair. Times of weakness and exhaustion. We will often chase after any counterfeit content or allow anybody to come into authority in our life or start willing to do anything just to get through this point of vulnerability. The other part is instability. The other time is when we're dealing with changing circumstances in our life. Times of uncertainty. Maybe it's a job shift, a life shift, a life relationship, or whatever it is. You're just, life feels unstable. And so you start looking for new ideas and new approaches. And you become very susceptible to these negative influence. The third is through intimacy. When we begin a new relationship in our life, when we have a, start having a deep connection, when we allow them, because of that intimacy, to start speaking into our lives for the first time. New relationships, new loves, new connections. And we allow them to have authority in our life and to speak truth without testing that against the truth of God. And I'm not saying every person that comes into our life during these times is evil and bad, but I am saying we should be on guard, especially in these times, to make sure we don't go down this path of lawlessness, this path of perdition. And so what we're going to finish up with next week, because our time is drawing to an end today, is then how do we take this idea of wisdom and works? to navigate through this extremely difficult path. Through this pathway where there are people coming at us that want to bring harm and want to bring ruin into our life. How do we deal, how do we build the rails and the tracks that will help us navigate right, making sure we choose the right authority? We're not giving in to counterfeit content and we're not allowing a new righteousness to blossom into our life and we're staying true to the righteousness of God that has already been displayed to us. I love that Paul knows that this is coming for this church, for the church in Thessalonica. He knows it's coming for them as a church and them as individuals because it's what happens. And this is coming for us. And it's not something to be scared of. It's not something to be fearful of because Paul has taught and God has given us a clear pathway to navigate negative influences that are trying to bring ruin into your life. So if you want to learn that, you have to show back up next week. All right? So let me pray for us, and then uh, our time together will be finished this morning. God, we're so grateful for you and your truth and the realities of your truth. And God, I know as I was speaking this morning, I was writing it this week, that, God, there were just areas of my life that were exposed. There were times in my life when I look back and I knew I'd followed a counterfeit 
truth. And God, I allowed somebody to take up authority in my life that was trying to be more of authority than you. God, help us to begin to seek after you and to learn how to use this idea of works and wisdom to begin to navigate this challenging, dangerous, and sometimes damaging pathway. And as we do it, help us to trust you more, to lean on you more, and to allow your and your lordship to be on display in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.